Welcome to Cypherspeak, Artifacts, Ciphers, and Podities. Seize your destiny! Absolutely. Uh, today, I am here with my co-host, Darcy, who is a bleary-eyed vagabond who wrangles felines poorly. And I'm here with my co-host, Troy, a lazy GM who is behind for Gen Con. And this is Cypherspeak. <laughs> Woohoo! Yay! What are we talking about today, Troy? Uh, we are talking about uh, another new release from Monty Cook Games. They just come fast and furious these days. <laughs> uh, this week, we are talking about our initial impressions and excitement about Numenera, Discovery, and Destiny that was just released. So we are super excited. Uh, this is another new release from Monty Cook Games right on the heels of Invisible Sun. Uh, so we kind of wanted to just talk about some of the new stuff and some of the things that excite us about the changes for Numenera. Absolutely. Uh, so I haven't even gotten to read all the way through them. You know, I've been I've, I've caught, you know, glimpses of them and I've sort of been playing with the new rules and the new characters, but I, I haven't gotten the deep dive. So I think we're still in the sort of, you know, which is probably good because this podcast can only be so long. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, I, yeah, I think we're just going to talk about what's really jumping out at us and what's uh, what we're excited to see more of um, as we continue to play it. So this is, of course, my favorite game, right? This is, the, you know, this is Numenera, the game that got me GMing, that got me into the RPG hobby in a major way. And so I've been excited for this for a long time. Absolutely. Yes, I, I too am very excited and am in the same kind of state as Darcy. Uh, I have, you know, uh, read uh, parts of the new books, but I have not yet been able to read all 800 pages uh, because uh, that's just a lot of pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I kind of wanted to start with, you know, what's, what's most exciting for us about, uh, Numenera Discovery and Destiny that we've sort of seen thus far? Um, mm. do you have one, Darcy? Yeah. Uh, basically the two little campaigns I ran, one was co-run and one was short, but by myself, I, I really liked the kind of cozy nature of having, a place to come back to of having a community where people got to like know the people over mm -hmm. time of having a place where their stuff lived, a place to come home to and a place to, to like threaten that home. And so I think one of the things I'm most excited about is like getting to engage mechanically with communities and um, also getting that uh, playing with timeline and more long-term play to see how, that community, how your actions actually affect that place uh, in in the longer term. So that's definitely what I've been most excited to dig into is just this like uh, focus on place and community and growth. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's one of the most interesting parts about uh, Discovery and Destiny, and rightfully so. I mean, it's really kind of what the entire Destiny book is sort of you know, written around, right, is this yeah. kind of communities and long-term play. Um, the thing that I'm very interested to see either come out of other people's work or, you know, something that maybe I do in the future is I want to see, you know, how people kind of adapt and modify uh, these rules to maybe other areas or other settings, right? Mm. Um, like I remember back in, um, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, I think second edition AD&D time, like there was a lot of rules around like you became a such and such level fighter and then you could start having like a stronghold and followers and, right. and stuff like that, right? So, you know, like, I mean, if you want to play that fantasy game where your characters are you know, the heads of a castle or 
maybe it doesn't start out as a castle. Maybe it just starts out as a small community or something. And you look to build that up. I think that, you know, maybe these rules are the facilitator for that. Um, and obviously like a game, like a fallout game, if you wanted to play something like that, or I even wonder if there's a way to like take these rules and, uh, do like a ship game, either like starships or, um, even, uh, sailing ships where, you know, you start out with a small ship or uh, a ship of a certain type, and then you can like add on to it and modify it and make it better. Oh, I love that. <laughs> when you were saying, uh, you find a castle and, uh, maybe it doesn't start out as a castle at first, it's a small community. I'm like, well, you have to like rescue the prince from his curse by making him <laughs> fall in love with someone. So all the people, <laughs> stop being enchanted silverware and then you have this community and so now i'm like i'm definitely going to put that in my game though like a low-key numenera skinned feeding the beast (laughs) but i love your ship idea i think that's a great point um you know even the communities that are like listed in here there are ones that are you know on the backs of giant creatures Mm -hmm. there are ones that like move around and so it seems like they also sat down and were trying to um come up with ways to make these like to really stretch what you could consider a community, right? It's just anywhere where people are gathering. And so I think a ship or a fleet would be really cool. Oh, um, yeah. Babylon 5, or not Babylon 5, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, no. But that would be about your community shrinking as you make decisions that you ha- are tough decisions. And everyone's, who's a Cylon? Oh, my gosh. You're totally right. <laughs> um, I'm very excited for that. Yeah. So um, speaking of which, so we, uh, at the time of this recording, we've... Um, unlocked a stretch goal in the Your Best Game Ever Kickstarter, uh, which is going to have a revised Cypher System rulebook, which is going to take some from these books too. So I think that's kind of a, a thread we're, we're going to be talking about a little bit here. But um, it funded a new Cypher System like world functionally, um, another like a big tool book on sci-fi rules and options, but then also its own um, setting. But I, I could totally imagine like, either in space or like, you know, space is all about communities separated by these like vast expanses. That's so Numenera, right? right. I think this yep. would really lends itself to that. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I am most excited about uh, seeing put into the rules, uh, which was something that was a surprise to me because it wasn't in the playtest stuff that I did, is player intrusions. Um, I think that this is something that, you know, we've almost kind of talked about right we talked about a whole bunch of different ways back in a past episode about how to use experience right Mm. for different things and how flexible you want to be as a gm with that and this really kind of codifies some of the things that we were talking about in that a player can spend this xp for basically a temporary advantage right and call it a player intrusion they want to have some some influence on the narrative and that is amazing. Yeah. And I I think we should probably do a whole episode on these because just like we did with GM intrusions, there's a lot, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for it and how you you can use it differently, how different GMs might want to use it or uh, what effects it might have in their game. And so one of the, the critical points about player intrusions is that it is, like you said, affecting the narrative. It is not uh, affecting their character. So it's it's changing something external to the character. It's the world shifting around uh, to to meet the player in a favorable way, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not that, uh, 
oh, actually, my speech was really persuasive. It's that <laughs> that NPC over there like took a shine to me or that NPC over there like, you know, um, turns out it was someone from my past. Right. It's, so it's it's like adding to the narrative about something external to your character. And another point is that each um, discovery and destiny it's not as open as GM intrusions are, right? It, they are tied to your type. So someone who's an Arcus, which is what I'm playing in our Bearing the Light campaign, their player intrusions are related to the fact that they are about knowing people and understanding people and communicating with people. And so like, yes, okay, here's, here's a Delve. So Delves are the new player type that is about going into weird Numenera locations and yanking stuff out of old installments <laughs> and uh, just sort of like, Kind of, you know, very spelunky character, very like salvagey character, um, exactly what they sound like. And so their three player intrusions are a fortuitous malfunction, uh, a trap or a dangerous device that malfunctions before it can affect you, um, serendipitous landmark, just when it seems like you're lost, a trail marker, uh, a landmark, or, you know, something catches your eye and you, you find the best path forward. And weak strain, the poison or disease turns out not to be as debilitating or deadly as it first seems. So those three are pretty reactive too, which is kind of the Delve's deal, right? It's like, I go into horribly dangerous situations <laughs> and I somehow make it out alive again, right? Yeah, because of the codified nature of what you can do with them, it is interesting because it still kind of provides a little bit of niche protection. Right? Yeah, right. You know, so That's a good point. Um, yeah, so it's there. Anyway, like you said, we should probably do an episode on these, especially after we've had more time to kind of play with them ourselves and, and see yeah. how they occur in play and have some examples. But um, yeah, I, I don't want to dive too deep into this because I, I feel that we could talk about, <laughs> about a lot of stuff with player <laughs> intrusions. Um, but yes, uh, suffice to say, we are very excited about their existence. Yes, um, and I'm probably going to hack it you know i i could already tell that like monty and i would adjudicate intrusions a little differently mm -hmm. which is one of the joys right like yep. i think it's it's fun to know that monty and i will run numenera differently even with a new set of core books <laughs> 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 and and we are, we can both and we are both equally valid it makes me very happy <laughs> yep yep absolutely uh, mm -hmm. you know he's not right all the time right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about uh, some other aspects about what's what's changing in Discovery and Destiny. Absolutely. Uh, one of the biggest things as I was, you know, reading through a couple of sections, uh, primarily in, you know, Discovery, which has a lot of parts to it that would be very familiar to people who are familiar with the original uh, Numenera core book, is that there's just a lot of rules that have been kind of clarified or additional examples, you know, like one that I saw that I don't think was in the original book that like it specifically calls out like how it works if you get a bonus level of effort from like an ability, mm. right? So like you receive a bonus level of effort. Well, then what does that mean if I want to spend effort in addition to that on the task, right? Now that's mm. like a two paragraph block that's called out and kind of says nice. exactly how that works cool. i mean you know so there's a lot of pieces in there that are like oh here's just you know some examples or maybe I, i'm guessing that they took a lot of like frequently asked questions right that go right. to conventions and stuff and people are like hey i had this happen in a game how would you do this or you know whatever however they kind of have seen these things play out one of my favorite changes is ease versus hinder. Yes. Um, 
<laughs> that that terminology is amazing. Um, so in the past, where you would say you have uh, an asset on a roll and it is one level easier, right? Yeah. Um, now you have eased the roll, and if anything makes it harder, it is hindered, right? So you can just say. Uh, you get eased twice or hindered once or whatever it is. And it, it just kind of takes the the level out of it. And I think why that's important is one of the biggest confusions that I've seen with new people into Numenera is when you say plus one level, a yeah. lot of them just want to add plus one to the die. Yeah, right. You know, so I think that that's a good change to just codify some, some language around that, um, you know, yeah. kind of see you know make it make it a, just a little bit easier to like talk at the table and it it's it seems like a very natural um progression for how numenera's rules have worked since the beginning right mm -hmm. um i got to watch uh, a little bit of a grant ellis game with uh marcy felon and uh and eric vulgaris and some other fantastic people um i believe unmade uh gaming was also there it was a like cipher noir game that we will link to in the show notes because it was lovely. I kind of just caught the end of it and they were discussing how this was Eric Vulgaris's maybe second experience with the cipher system. And he had this great line about how playing the cipher system feels like a language you already know. Like when you're when you're speaking it at the table, because the rules and the the way you engage with the rules are very like natural language based. Th mm -hmm. This feels like just a, you know, polishing that little you know, unpolished part of the, yeah. the way we talk in Numenera. And I think that really helps with people learning the game. Like, I'm very excited for easing and hindering and seeing how new people take to the game. Because I think that, I think you're totally mm -hmm. right, that that was one of the very tiny stumbling blocks it would be, especially for someone coming from D&D &D or something. Yep, absolutely. And, and you're totally right. I mean, like, you know, when somebody asks me, like, when should I spend effort? when you want to try hard at a task, right? Yeah. Like you said, it's very natural language. Yep. Like, like when do you want to extra, like try extra hard? Yeah. You expend effort, you know? Yeah. So yeah, like that's a really, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but yeah, that totally makes sense. <laughs> and of course, in No Thank You Evil, uh, which someday we should kind of compare just the rules language, right? Because mm -hmm. No Thank You Evil, they literally say, try harder. Do you want to try harder? <laughs> yeah, sure. Right? They took effort out of it and they said, yep. you know, so I think... Uh, I'd be very curious to hear how Shauna took the cipher system, you know, bones and turned it into even more just natural language, uh, mechanics language. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing I noticed as I was going through is that um, in the original Numenera book, there was a whole like optional rules chapter mm. uh, and it's gone. Ooh. Uh, so uh, looking through, it appears that all of the optional rules are just embedded where right. <laughs> they would like, here's like the normal rule. And then here's the optional rule if you want to do it differently rather oh, than kind of, you know, like Splitting putting, out. putting them in a different, different place. <laughs> As opposed to, you know... Numenera Discovery and Destiny and Advanced Numenera Discovery right. and Destiny. Yeah. Uh, yep. It's just sort of <laughs> enmeshed <Yeah>. now. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, that I was mean, a bad joke and I feel bad about it. So <laughs> it's okay. We understand. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I think that the, it's just a lot of little things like that, right? So anybody yeah. who has the original Numenera book and picks up discovery, especially and, and reads through it, you're going to see and read a lot of the exact same things that were in the original Numenera core book, but a lot of them are just cleaned up, polished up, a few changes here and there to just make things more clear, 
you know, answer some questions of, you know, hey, am I playing that as intended? Obviously, if you've been playing it a different way for five years and you really like the way that you did it, there, you know, you don't have to change. There's nothing forcing you to. But um, yeah, it, it's just a whole bunch of little stuff. So I really like a lot of the kind of the small rules changes. And like I said, nothing that really changes the core of the game, right? It's just a lot of, I would say, kind of clean up and polish. Yeah. And I'm excited for us to have podcast episodes that dive into some of these details mm -hmm. because like when you look at the two core books next to each other, it's so much new content. And so yeah. Yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, it's it's interesting to talk about because it, it really is just polish, right? It is still fundamentally the same game. And yet, right, it's like they've done a lot of work to make it just really sing um, a little more on key, I guess, from sure, yeah. from what it was before. Uh, I, I would actually like to talk a little bit about some of the other additions. So mm -hmm. um, let's talk about like setting stuff briefly and then maybe sure. character options. So okay. I don't have a lot to say about this yet, except that like, oh, my gosh, like so much new setting information, <laughs> cool maps. Yeah. I love that. Um, the, the setting location of the poison eater Enthate is like mm -hmm. in here with a beautiful map. I like I saw it briefly and it kind of made me cry. And so I haven't looked into it too much because it's just like <laughs> I was so excited when I saw that. And so, yeah, there's a lot more maps. Um, I even saw like the Strathian Warmoth, which had some fine art before, has like it's even cooler art. So there's like it's a real mishmash of like some, you know, beautiful art pieces and locations you've seen before you know, just as they were. Some got like art updates or updated in other ways. And then some are just swapped out for totally new creatures and locations, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited to dive into more of that setting material. And a lot of it's right, showing you cool communities, yep, showing you absolutely. cool um, places where you can find strange uh, Numenera plans to discover mm -hmm. and, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously the, the lore of Numenera is amazing. And uh, you know, one thing that I, I know that Monty Cook Games committed to long ago um, and has really kind of kept up that commitment here is that, like, there's no, like, progressing of the world going on. Right. You know, it's not like we got the new version of Numenera and, like, the Steadfast is now 100 years in the future from when we right. originally had it. It's still the same Steadfast, and now we're just filling in more blanks throughout the entirety of the world and things like that. So, you know, so if you're, you know, if you're running a, a long-term Numenera game and you just want to drop in the new, you know, the new stuff, it all just fits right in there, right? Yeah. It's, it's all of your lore and stuff fits right in, and you can modify characters a little bit if you so choose, and then you can go about, you know, kind of your game as, as it was. Yeah. Um, so, uh, moving on to types and character options and stuff. So this is another kind of big addition, uh, obviously with, uh, you know, destiny, you have three new types. Um, there's a bunch of new foci, um, a lot of stuff obviously centered again around the community building that destiny is very focused around. Mm. Um, but it doesn't stop there, right? I mean, there's a bunch of new stuff in discovery as well related to the original types and even the original foci um, and things that are in discovery have kind of gotten an update and gotten more options. Right. And so I think it's at, at you know, tier three and tier six or something, you have a, a choice to make. And I, I really like that aspect, right? Your, you know, your focus is something you 
you work toward for a long time, you know, because you have to get all these tier advancements until you get up there. And so I really like that someone could get even more excited about that choice, right? That they like when they're reaching tier three, they're really jazzed because they mm. they know the one that they're like holding out for, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, and then just, you know, I mean, a lot of the types got, you know, some followers or they right. got um, a little more variety of abilities. Like I know the Glaive got a few little things that like help them with social interactions if they so choose, if they want to, you know, be a little bit better there. And then like some of the top end abilities made the Glaive just an amazing fighter, uh, you know. So, yeah, there's just all kinds of good player options, more options, uh, very rarely was, you know, were things taken away. Um, right. It's just additive to kind of make everybody more interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting how reactive these books are. I think especially in the character options, they really listen mm-hmm. to how people were playing, where people were taking these types that they didn't anticipate, and sort of now they're giving more character abilities to support that kind of play, right? Um, and what people were finding didn't work so well and so they they really you know i i work for mcg now but i wasn't sure how closely they had their ear to the ground about those kind of little details right of how people were playing and it's clear they've been listening and it's clear they spent a lot of time in the design um and they play tested i think those character options i assume quite a lot mm-hmm. yeah i think absolutely so yeah i mean i think that that that's all super fun and I think the interesting thing that I have learned as we've kind of talked through this episode is that uh, for those of you that are fans of Numenera, there will probably be several more Numenera episodes yeah. <laughs> to come from <laughs> us as we, you know, kind of dive into uh, some of the specifics of yeah. um, of the site or sorry, of the new Numenera Discovery and Destiny stuff. Because like, I mean, we talked about player intrusions. I mean, followers, I would, followers. love to dig into. Yep. I would love to dig into like, hey, let's talk about a couple of our favorite communities from destiny and how would we use them yay um you know obviously we can dig into the new types a little bit and and highlight some of them yeah you know so um yeah i I think that there's all kinds of awesome stuff as we um get to finish reading the entire book and (laughs) um you know and also play a little bit of uh of Numenera Discovery and Destiny. I'll be running a couple sessions at, at Gen Con, so I'm excited uh, for that and uh, mm-hmm. to see kind of where it takes us from there. Um, and, of course, we'd be super interested to hear what you guys want to hear about f- more from Discovery and Destiny. What are the most interesting pieces of it from your perspective that maybe we should be looking at or talking about? Absolutely. Um, yeah, let us know. We should have a read-along. We should have a book club. Yeah, there you go. Today we'll have chapter one. (laughs) (laughs) That would be really fun. I might do that. There you go. (laughs) Let's find a good hashtag for it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That sounds like a lot of fun. All right. Let's get into our potties this week. What do you got for us, Troy? Um, My potty this week is a Kickstarter, um, and it is Iron Etta Accelerated. Oh, yay. Um, So uh, this is a a Kickstarter by uh, Encoded Designs, uh, which is... Um, many of the people who kind of run the misdirected mark network on which we are and are also part of encoded designs. Um, and it is written by, uh, Tracy Barnett, who is a pretty cool guy. And, uh, uh, we got to play a little bit of this game at a catacon last year and it is super fun. It is like Norris dwarves, 
um, and big like mechs and kaiju sort of and yeah. all kinds of stuff going on. And um, it is just a super fun game. Uh, it's written in Fate Accelerated. Uh, and I'm kind of excited to see uh, what comes out of it and what it's like when it's done. But it was it was really fun last year. And it's just a, such a cool, evocative setting that yeah. I'm really interested to kind of see and read more about it. Uh, that's, a great, that's a great way to put it. And I certainly think that playing that game with uh, Tracy was one of the first times that I felt fate really grokked, yeah. you know, with <laughs> me. me. And so I think having a whole book that that they're writing that I can, you know, learn to play with. I, I think that's like that's that's a huge draw to me. I think they were just a really good communicator of that system. And so having it all baked in with their writing I think will be really, really nice. Yeah. I and agree. the art looks yep. really cool. Yes. Very happy. Yeah. Yep. Super good art. Awesome. So um my prodigy is definitely to check out that Ciphered War game, which I'll have a link to in the show notes because it was really fun. Uh, and they're just, of course, a bunch of great like voices and great performers. So that they were super fun to watch. Um, but also, uh, you know, I'm I am all Kickstarter all the time with your best game ever, <laughs> which I'm very excited by. But uh, we are currently working toward a stretch goal. So you know, your best game ever a tool book uh, about all things that we take for granted in role-playing games. And so it's about like actionable advice on how to manage a table, how to handle player friction, um, how to, you know, work with uh, players of different maturity levels like kids, also with adults. So things that MCGs, you know, ha has a lot of experience with, you know, especially having designed No Thank You Evil and seeing how that went. But also like, I'm going to have a chance to share a lot of what I've learned about streaming in it. And I'm really, you know, there isn't a lot of resources about streaming. Um, so there's a big, long list of topics and there's a huge list of like contributing uh, consultants. Um, consulting experts is their name. <laughs> uh, so Matt Mercer and uh, Monica Valentinelli and uh, goodness, so many people. So check that out. But what I'm really jazzed about is a tiny, tiny contribution I'm making to this, which is that uh, so... We're we're working on a stretch goal to get a bunch of cool like comics and cartoonist artists to mm -hmm. like do art in it, which is awesome. And uh, like one of my favorites is going to be in there, Aviv Orr, who did uh, who does the uh, the comic up to four players, which is like about like through narrative teaching people how to play board games and role playing games. So super cool. So up to four players is definitely what you should go check out. But she's also done art for like mm, that. Uh, gosh, I really should have looked this up. Um, but that like <laughs> Pride and Prejudice era role playing game, she she did the art for that, which oh, was really yeah. beautiful. And like she's done some projects with uh, James D'Amato of the One Shot Network for maybe Noisy Person Cards and some other projects. So Aviv Orr is going to be on it if we meet that stretch goal, and I'm so excited. And I, I I like I was the one who was like, can we get Aviv? Can we can we please get Aviv? <laughs> so and she said yes. So I'm so excited. Yeah, that's <sighs> awesome. Yeah, so yeah, I'm really excited to see what what that book is like when it's done. I think it'll be yeah, it'll be, uh, very cool. Uh, <laughs> so. All right, all right. Uh, so uh, this uh, week we're also going to shout out to our uh, another podcast on the Misdirected Mark Network, and this week it is Down with D and D, where Chris and the Mad Wizard Sean Merwin dish about everything D and D with a focus on the brand and newest edition of the world's most popular tabletop RPG. 
at least for now, until Numenera becomes more popular. Right? Yeah, there we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> no, the plan. We can, we can all coexist, Troy. We are well, polygamorous here. I'm not, I'm not saying that D&D Network. goes away. I'm just saying Numenera becomes more popular. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll have to fight it out in some sort of epic <laughs> podcast battle. Yeah, there you go. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll have a podcast rap battle between yes. us and uh, Chris and Sean. Consider Sounds... the gauntlet thrown. <laughs> yep, there uh, you go. <laughs> Excellent. So as always, you can reach us at CypherSpeakPod on Twitter. Um, tell us about what you are excited about, what you're nervous about, what you're confused about with Numenera, Discovery, and Destiny. And uh, let us know what you want to want to hear us talk about or what you don't want to hear us talk about. Like, man, if Darcy and Troy talk about followers again, I'm going to lose it. That's that's valuable <laughs> feedback. I appreciate sure that. <laughs> Uh, you can also reach us uh, in a more long form with uh, cypherspeakpod at gmail.com. So shoot us emails for your suggestions of, you know, artifacts, ciphers, and podities, all things cipher and MCG that you would like to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, and if you get a chance, we would greatly appreciate if you went out to iTunes or your uh, pod catcher of choice and uh, rated and gave us uh, some reviews. We appreciate all of you who have already done so, and they are charming and lovely, and we appreciate you greatly. So, Troy, what is the first weirdest community you're going to throw at your players? Oh, boy. I think that it's going to be very warm there. Ooh. <laughs> it's going to be Disney, isn't it? All right. <laughs> I was thinking more like the Gates of Hell, but. Oh, uh, dang. Cypherspeak is a member of the Misdirected Mark Podcast Network, the media arm of Encoded Designs. All right, I'm going to go get more hangover juice. I'm going to be right back. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs>